BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, what's up? This is Josh Norman. You listen to Redskins Talk with J.P. Finley. Hello, hello, hello. J.P. Finley here, Redskins Talk Podcast. Hope everybody is doing well and not going crazy without a Skins game to watch this weekend. As we all know, the bye week means fan week on Redskins Talk Podcast. To celebrate it, we got a couple more awesome stories coming your way. Before we get going, I want to thank the good folks at Commuter Connections. A couple clicks is all it takes to share a ride to work when you want, where you want, for free. CommuterConnections.org, 800-745-RIDE, or their app is Carpool Now. Check them out. You can schedule it on demand. Whatever you want to do, it's free. All right, today for Fan Week, we got two heavy hitters in D.C. media that are also big-time Skins fans. Eric Bickle of the Sports Junkies, 106.7. He's also a star on NBC Sports Washington. You can watch the Junkies every morning. We also have Steve Zabin, who has his own radio show on ESPN 980. Zabin's been doing radio for for quite a while. Is one of the, the biggest voices I turn to after a Redskins win or loss just to see what he's critiquing, where he sees the problems, where he sees the good things. Both these guys have just a ton of knowledge and a, a, a ton of perspective on the Redskins over the years. Um, some some stuff on my end. A lot of good reviews have been coming in, especially on iTunes. We really appreciate that, guys. Please keep them coming. We switched our hosting site um, for the podcast. If anybody's having any trouble, hit me up on Twitter at NBCS. Uh, if your subscription's not automatically uploading or something, just let us know, and uh, m- me and our podcast team can figure that stuff out for you. Uh, please make sure you're checking us out. Even though it's a bye week, we're still all over on social media. Everything that, that used to say CSN now says NBCS, so my Twitter handle is JP Finley NBCS. It's now NBCS Redskins. You still get all those cool social videos. Um my Instagram is jpfinley3, and same with my Snapchat. So check it out. Please keep keep dropping reviews. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Wednesday. Tandler will be back. I'm going to get a fan story off him. We'll be setting over-unders. We'll be talking about the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to tease this now so you guys get ready to... As part of our Niners preview, I'm going to ask Tandler, and I'm going to provide mine, the three best movies based in San Francisco. Um, So you guys think on that one, and you can send me some answers if you got them. For now, enjoy EB and Zabe. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, this is a, a big treat. This is one of the famous sports junkies is joining me. Eric Bickle, EB is probably how you know him. Uh, Eric Bickle, what's going on, dude? Thanks for joining us. Hey, JP, how are you, buddy? Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. You are now the third junkie to come on. Cakes has come on, and uh, and my namesake, JP Flame, has come on. So so now right. we're only waiting for Lurch, but I, I'm, that might be a long wait, I'm guessing. <laughs> You know what? He's a, he's a bit of a softy. If you ask him, he'll do it for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't ask him for this segment because what I'm doing right now, and we talked about this, is is I want folks that are Redskins fans, that are real fans, to come on and tell us their you know favorite fan stories or moments. And I mean, it's it's funny that on the junkies, there's four of you guys, and you're the only Skins fan. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre, and, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain to people. I mean, I grew up in the area. I mean, I was born in Illinois, but moved here when I was three. And, you know, so I I grew up sort of a Cubs fan because my father grew up in the Midwest, and he was a diehard Cubs fan. But that even wore off after a while, once I got to about nine or ten. But he never was a huge football fan, except when he moved to D.C., and the skins are just so pervasive here that he became a, a, a big Redskins fan, and it was a big tradition for us to watch Skins games together for as long as I can remember. Um, so, yeah. The other boys, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know uh, who raised them. They were raised by wolves or something. <laughs> well, because Lurch is a Niners fan, right? Yeah. And then Lurch is a Niners fan. JP and his father had an influence on him. There's no question about it. JP's father was a Colts fan. Okay. Oh, like a Baltimore Colts fan. Yeah. Right. So JP and his father went to Hopkins and was a stonemason. And JP's father's got a great story. But uh, but raised him as a as a Colts and Orioles fan. And so when they moved, JP just felt like the loyal thing to do was stay with them. Right. So he did. <laughs> He still likes Cakes, the O's, I don't for know. sure. Yeah, Cakes is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can, Cakes is just dropped on his head or something because he, <laughs> for, for some bizarre reason, picked the Raiders. So that's kind of who he was a fan of. And if you think about it, in the uh, the mid-'70s, early-'80s, you know, the Ken Stabler, you know, I mean, that, that, was, that was a cool time to be a Raiders fan. Right. But what's cra- Cakes is probably the biggest Wizards fan, you know, among, uh, you know, kind of high-profile media people. Cakes loves the Wiz. 
Yeah, it's true. And the Caps. He's actually even a bigger right. fan of the Caps than he is the Wiz. Yeah, it's just bizarre. I will say this, and I don't know if other kids had and This might be something only like kids from the 70s did, but I remember growing up, and we'd get, like, <laughs> embarrassing, but we would get these catalogs in the mail. And I think it was, like, the Sears catalog. And when you're a kid, you would pick out, like, oh, I want to get, like, the Redskins robe, or I want to get, like, uh, maybe, like, the, the rate, like for cakes, maybe he loved the, the, the Raiders, uh, like comforter for his bed as a kid, you know? And so I honestly think those of us in our neighborhood, some would just pick teams just based on how cool the helmet looks <laughs> or how cool the pajamas look. You know what I mean? Right. And then you kind of just became a fan that way. It's weird, but. Well, here's what story. I'll say. Here's what I'll say, especially, you know, you like the Skins, Lurch is a Niners guy, Cakes is a Raiders guy. At least none of you guys, I mean, in that era, the Steelers and the Cowboys dominated. So at least there's no right. Steelers or Cowboys fan among you. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. And, and you know, we were sort of brought up in, you know, in misery in the, in the 70s. And then, of course, the 80s were unbelievable. And I just felt like it was our right to always be a winner. So these last 20 years have just been somewhat devastating and mind-blowing. You know, and I know there are a lot of fans in this area that can relate to that. I thought it was just sort of our God-given right to go to the Super Bowl every other year. Right. I mean, um, so when you're a kid, they were just dominant most of the time, right? Absolutely. How? I mean, I have fond memories of, of course, that 82 team and, and Riggins and uh, – and sitting there and watching those games. And for us, it was all about hanging out. Uh, we'd go to church in the morning. My dad was a pastor. And the whole thing was he had to be done by noon so people had time to get to the game by 1 or get it home and get settled and watch the game at 1. And that's just what we did every Sunday. That's so awesome. So I remember when I was a kid, when I was young and the skins were still really good, we'd go to church and the minister would do the same thing. He, he, he Like yeah. at noon, he would say something like, all right, got to get moving. Now I, I can't imagine. And that's a thing anymore. But uh, would your would your pop like specifically address the Redskins during his sermons or, or letting folks oh, go? Absolutely, we would. And then later, uh, you know, we would schedule things like if we had some sort of potluck the church wanted to do or something, we had to make sure it was a four o'clock game, or you had to make sure it was a bye week if you wanted to have some sort of special service or special meeting or concert. 100% the Redskins <laughs> dictated the schedule at the United Parish of Bowie where we grew up. That is so, I mean, it's cool because that, you know, your your dad would only do that because that's what the parishioners wanted too. You know, it's not like he of was course. dictating that. Um, it, it's just, it's neat to see. And, it, it, you know, as, as much as folks love the Nats and the Wiz and the Caps and whatever else, the, the Skins have had this hold on the region for so long. And, and maybe that's, you know, creeping away just as things become more splintered and fractured throughout society, I would say. But uh, there's something crazy about football and just the nature of it being once a week. There's that much more hype around every game, too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All the buildup. And I don't know, I think being a kid of the 70s and 80s, so I was born in 1970, um, so there were some lean years there, right, in, this, in the late 70s-ish. And then when you start to get into the 80s and, and, and start winning, when Gibbs came into town, um, that was, I don't know, I think we appreciated it because we did go through some losing, even though I felt like after that, we should, like, I felt like, I guess it was the Niners that were technically the team of the decade of the 80s, but I think the Redskins were right there. Right. Um, 
I felt like the Redskins would always be sort of right in that running and be, you know, kind of a dynasty. But uh, as we've seen, that's not how it works out. But I think struggling in the 70s really made it that much more exciting in the 80s. And frankly, you know, uh, if you ask me my favorite memory, it's probably that 87 team that won the Super Bowl because the 83 loss to the Raiders in Rocket Screen was so devastating. I remember going into that. I mean, you ask most people, they know, that 83 team was better than the 82 team. Right. I mean, Didn't they set all like, sorts of scoring records and stuff? Yeah, you'd have to check the books on that, JP. But we were heavily favored to win that. We had come off the Super Bowl win in 82, and that loss was so devastating. It's such a shocker to us that uh, when we – got to the Super Bowl again in 87, and people don't remember this. They just remember the second quarter and the 35 points, but the Skins were dogs in that game, right? Everybody was hyping up the Broncos and Elway, um, and the Broncos took, a, I think I had to look it up, but they took a 10-zippy lead in the first quarter. Um, so yeah. things were looking bleak. Um, and then to just have that explosion in the second quarter and then, uh, you know, to really run away with that thing, man, that – that is just a memory that I just will never, ever forget. And to be able to share that with my dad and my, my little brothers and my little sister at the time, it's just incredible. I'm still searching for that to this day, those moments. Right. And at that level, I mean, winning a Super Bowl. So for me, I remember 91, and I, I remember yeah. seemingly every play. But it, it's I can't imagine it in town at this point. I, I just think the, I think the whole city would go – Ballistic. If the skins, I even think if the skins got to like the divisional playoff round, things would go bananas. You know, yeah, I, I, they would. But but I wonder because there has been attrition, and it, it's sad to say, but there's still there's a lot of bitterness about the management and the ownership. That I'm not sure you would have that same pure joy that you had in the '80s. I, I'm really not sure. Well, and, and I, I think. There's the NFL is viewed so different now. I I, I know there was a lot. Yeah. You know, I watched that thirty for thirty year of the scab and and kind of learned how mad fans were about the strikes and stuff. But now between kind of the politics that invaded and, and just the salaries and the and the relocation of franchises and publicly funded stadiums, you know, I I think some of that. Unless you're you know if you're an eight year old kid that just loves football, you probably don't look at any of that. But I, I think fans have become certainly aware of kind of the the business aspect of football much more so than they probably ever were or at least that that's me looking at things in hindsight oh i think there's no question about it and i also think that there's a large segment of uh, the population that is just they, they can't wrap their heads around Kirk Cousins making whatever it is sure. 44 million dollars you yeah. know and, to, and the, the, the numbers are so astronomical i look at it in a sense where I'm like man go get yours i mean god i wish that was me and i i and I'm, I'm happy for them, and I want people to go out there and make as much as they can. I think there are others, though, that are so envious of it that they, they're bitter about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Dude, so and, I, that, and that hates a lot of people, yeah. I looked up this 83 team just while we're talking. They were absurd. The only two yeah. losses they had that year, they opened the year with a loss to the Cowboys, 31-30, and then they lost Monday Night Football in Green Bay, 48-47. How much fun must that game have been to watch? I don't know if you watched it or what, but, geez. That... I, do, I, you know, I, I can't remember it specifically. I just remember how dominant that team was that year, 
And coming off the 82 win, I mean, I just thought it was a foregone. Of course we were going to beat the Raiders. Um, Does Cates ever give you grief on that? Were were you guys friends at that point? Yeah, we were, but I don't remember it to that extent. It's funny you say that. I should should ask him. Um, But I don't remember having that rivalry at that time with him about it. Dude, so I'm looking on Wikipedia. That Monday night football loss to the Packers, the TV announcers for that game – this is yeah. this is pretty wild. Frank Gifford, Don Meredith, and OJ Simpson. Yep, absolutely. Different universe. Man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Biggle, this has been fantastic. If there's any other memories you want to share with the fans, fire away. I don't want to hold you up. I, I know how busy your You're days not. are, man. No, I'm not that busy. Uh, you know, I don't know. I have a variety of different memories. I mean, obviously, the whole 91 season, I remember vividly. Uh were you in college at that point? Yeah, I was in college at that time, but I would still come home and uh, hold on. My wife is calling me, so I don't know if you're hearing that beep. I'm trying to blow her off with a message. No here. worries, man. No worries. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I remember that year vividly, like each win, and and that was the year that Kornheiser had the bandwagon column. Oh right? yeah, yeah, dude. They gave out yeah. bandwagon bandanas at my elementary school. I assume they had the Washington right. Post on there. I assume the Post did it as like a marketing thing for kids in the area. But I, I, I definitely had that at one point at my dad's house. I doubt it's still there because nobody, you know, my dad's not there anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean that '91 season was incredible. I'm curious, if, and this can be a quick one. I know you got to run. Is there anything? In the last 10, 20 years, that it, nothing's going to compete with Super Bowls, but just a, a fun memory, perhaps. I, I know a lot of folks will point to the Monday night game with Santana and Dallas. Oh, yeah, that was spectacular. I remember you know, hanging in there for that one. But to be honest with you, as crazy as it may sound and as controversial as it's been since, that win, that Roberts win at New Orleans in his first game, Ooh, right? That's a good that, one. That's a spectacular memory because that set the tone for what really was an unbelievable ride in 2012. And even though it kind of crashed and burned at the end and we know what's happened since, uh, it, that, that had a feeling of uh, specialness, if that's a word. And we felt like that was the beginning of a new era. Yeah. And just that excitement that that win brought, man, that was that was really special. And I'll, I'll never forget it. So even though Robert and all this drama, he kind of is annoying. Uh, he gave us an incredible ride in 2012. And that win in particular was huge. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, you just think back through that year when they beat the Cowboys down there and he was on fire that the 75 oh, yeah. yard touchdown run against the Vikings. I mean, there's a lot to remember. That was fun. I would say the yep. in 2015, the win in Philly where Kirk was on fire, where they won the division, it, it never had the RG3 kind of gravitas to it, but uh, and right. dude, that Raiders win, the Sunday night win, was pretty damn incredible. I, I don't think FedEx had that much fun in a long time. No, I haven't felt this way, the way I feel right now, in quite a few years. I feel like we can beat anybody, and I haven't felt that way in a long, long time. Yeah, their A game can compete with anybody. I, I think they've yep. proven that. The, the changes on defense have made a tremendous, tremendous difference. All right. Eric Bickle, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. My pleasure anytime. Thank you, JP. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. Take care. (laughs) 
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. All right, folks, you're used to the Daily Zabe. Now we got the Zabe on Redskins Talk Podcast. Steve Zabin from ESPN 980 joining us right now. Zabe, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. JP, a pleasure to join you in Eddie audio format. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you were really like the first radio show I ever got into, I think, when you were doing it on your own. I mean, I guess it was... Was it 570? I'm, when I was in college, so like 03-ish, 2003. Oh Why are you going to make me feel old, bro? Not I what, consider us peers. And I, so now I'm like, geez, I'm a dinosaur. That is not what I was going for at all. Just that you, <laughs> you have longevity in this market where it's tough to get, and I think you are a really valued voice for a ton of Redskins fans. Well, I appreciate it. I have lived long enough to have known the highs, and I have lived through this, oh, let's call it 20-year meander through mediocrity. It, it really has been, because I think some people want to dismiss it as just they've been bad the whole time, and they haven't, because there have been some some pops. You know, Gibbs had a pop, RG3 yep. had a pop. There's been a, a, yep. a couple spots, but uh, the bad, especially the peak of the bad, is so much deeper than the, the high of the good of the last 20 years. Yeah, there have been some real bad spots and some real low points. It's not as it, I don't think our bad has been as pervasive of a bad as say Cleveland or maybe Buffalo or some other cities or Jacksonville. Sure. But the mediocrity wears on you just as much. You know, the fact that even when this team has been quote good, you know, quote is important there. The quote good is sneak in on the final week of the year to go 10 and 6 and get a wild card or something like that. What I think was so intoxicating about the Raider win was that it was the first time for some guys, JP, for some people, probably not you, you're a little bit older, but there's some younger fans who are 20, 18, 19, 20 years old. They've never seen the Redskins even look like that. And so in their life, they've never seen that. Totally. Think uh, about that for a second. Yeah, They've I mean, never looked that dominant. Right. I mean, so I, I, you're right. I'm, I, I remember 91. I remember every play of 91. I mean, that, that, that's the season that made me, I, I think, on the, my career path I'm on. But how, how, old were you, how old were you in 91? I was 10. So it was like perfect. Peak. It was the perfect time of my life for that team. Mm-hmm. But my mm-hmm. youngest sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Julia Scarf. She, when, when my, what, my now wife and I were first dating, we were talking about the skins and she's like, oh yeah, I'm a big skins fan. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's cool. She's like, don't worry. I remember the good teams. I was like, you do? She's like, yeah, Brunel. I was like, no, not Brunel. (laughs) 
No, no, those teams weren't any good. Right, those exactly. Teams were nothing burgers. But I yeah. mean, she's she's twenty five or so. Maybe she's twenty six. I'm not twenty four somewhere in there. But like, that's the best team she's seen. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that this year the Redskins have been underdogs, including significant underdogs, like in the Chiefs game going into that, that <laughs> it still tells you that there's there's a long way to go perception wise. But I think the hope is there that they might be getting traction. It is. And, and, and we'll see what happens, but, but for today, for right now, I want to talk, I feel like I could talk to you about the skins for two hours, but I want to ask, so instead of bye week, it's not a bye week for us. It's fan week on Redskins talk podcast. So I want to ask for Zabe's favorite Redskins moment, favorite Redskins memory. And, and it's wide open for you, sir. All right. I've got, I got three or four that I tell all the time, and I'm sure listeners like you have been listening a long time or maybe sick of hearing them, but they're the high points, just things that stick out in my brain. The first thing about being a Redskins fan, I'll never forget this, is that, you know, once a year, my my dad or my mom or sometimes my grandfather would take me to a Redskins game at RFK. And some years, because we didn't have season ticket, tickets, but some years – it might be a preseason game because that was the only thing we could get a ticket to. I'll never, ever, ever forget the feeling and the awe and the wonderment, JP, of going up those crisscrossing stairs at RFK outside the stadium and then walking into the first portal that you can see the field from and being blown away at how green the field looked and how perfect the paint and the stripes were, and just the atmosphere was magic. There was no way a 10-year-old boy, the first time he ever saw that at RFK, was not going to be completely hooked on football and the Redskins. I'll never forget that. Other memories include just being such a kid into the team and rooting for them that, you know, watching these games on TV that come down to the last second leave you agonized, whether it's losing in Dallas on the final weekend of the year to miss the playoffs or Daryl Green running down Tony Dorsett on Monday Night Football from across the field. You know, there's a lot of holidays in which my grandfather, who was the best, my grandfather, Nick O'Neill, former uh, New York City fire chief, or actually Brooklyn fire chief, right? Just Just an Irish guy who knows how to talk to people. He would get the best scalper tickets ever. He'd take me to a game usually once a year when he came to visit my mom. And and he'd be out in the parking lot, and these scalpers would think, oh, look at Grandpa, I'm going to flim-flam him for, you know, some seats. And he would just turn them right around. He'd be like, no, no, these aren't any good. He's like, I'll give you 20. And then, no, we want 50 or whatever. But my grandfather, despite taking me to games and getting us good scalper tickets, he would like to agitate when he was in for the holidays. So, like, during a Cowboy Redskin game one year, I think this was over Thanksgiving, and I forget how old I was, he decided from the cushy armchair of our living room on the mean streets of McLean that he was going to root with every fiber in his body for the Dallas Cowboys. And he had this bellowing, (laughs) deep Irish former firefighter voice that, when the Cowboys scored, all right, Cowboys. And it was sending me over the edge. Did you lose it? Yeah. That, that, yeah. I was, I was so angry at him. And my, I remember my mom had to say, you know, dad, please 
please stop doing this. You're, you're tormenting the poor child. <laughs> but that, that's what being a fan is all about. Of course, the biggest, the, the best big moment for any Redskins fan who was alive to see it was when they won the first Super Bowl in the strike short of 82 slash 83. And the Rigo run on fourth and two, uh, 40 chip or 80 chip, I think whatever chip it was, that sure. play, it's, I should know it. I'm not a bad Redskins fan for not knowing it. There was my whole family in our living room watching the game, and he breaks the run for a touchdown, and everyone in the family is jumping up and down. Mom, dad, brother, sister, high five and going crazy. You never forget a moment like that. That's so cool, man. I mean, I it, m- most of my moments are a little later, certainly around that 91 team, but it, the more of these stories you hear, is it's always about family and everybody watching it together. And for everything going on in the NFL, it I really think that it still is 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 a unifier. It's, it's oh yeah, cool yeah. To I, I mean, I hate to buy, I hate to buy into the NFL's marketing narratives like football is family, but they're not wrong about it. I just wish they would stop shoving it down our throats quite so much. Yeah, I agree but, yeah. with that. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, and then so, so that year, the glory of that Super Bowl was followed up with a season unlike any other in which the Redskins set at the time the league's single-season scoring record in a full, no-strike, you know, no-shortened-season year, set the single-season scoring record. They were an absurd plus 43 in turnovers. Wow. Every game they had, every game it was like they're starting every drive at the other team's 38-yard line or something like that. <laughs> it was a complete joke. And except for a couple hiccups along the way, they went through the league like a hot knife through butter and they get all the way to the big game in Tampa and they just got eviscerated by the Raiders who had played them of course very tight that year in like week two at RFK in a thrilling game and the the low point you, you can't just say when your team loses that bad in the Super Bowl you can't just say well we got last year like the low of losing that Super Bowl to the Raiders was, I think, twice as bad as the glory of winning it the previous year. It sucked. It was the worst. Dave, does it still sting a little? It sounds like it the way you're talking about it. Well, it does because you didn't just lose the Super Bowl. The Raiders, that to quote Seinfeld, were bebopping and scatting all <laughs> over us. It's, it's Jack Squirek with rocket screen. Yeah, that was it's, the pick six, uh, right? Yeah, that was the just pick before six. halftime. Yes, uh, I think Jeff Hayes had a punt blocked in the game. Of course, Marcus Allen had the signature run. Uh, Marcus uh, or uh, Mike Haynes and uh, Lester Hayes just totally locked down Art Monk. Nothing that we did during the regular season worked. It was just like the Raiders came in and said, "No, none of this is going to work." And it was, it was just the worst ending to what had been a great season because right. they were super dominant. And then. Then he had some sort of, you know, mixed years. And then the 91 year came along, and you know that very well. They Dominant. were so ridiculously good. Dominant. And, and, and Mark Rippon was such an unbelievable long ball artist where if a game went by and there wasn't like one or two 40-yard rainbows, you're like, what's up? Why aren't we having this? I remember this, and maybe this is just like boyhood wonder. But I remember it seemed like his arm was so strong because back then you kind of only got like the NFL film kind of highlights where it was like played to music and all that. 
And mm-hmm, I remember mm-hmm. a lot of his deep balls when they'd show, you know, that that shot they like of the arc of the ball going through the stadium? Yeah. And usually yeah. that's like in the sky where they're showing that ball. But Rippon's arm was so strong that the ball stayed relatively low on a lot of those and just had so much zip on it for a deep ball. Yeah. No, he had a good arm. That, no question that's about how it. I remember I mean, it. Anyway. Yeah. About he was about as mobile as a grand piano without wheels. But <laughs> with that line it didn't it matter. Didn't, it didn't matter because he was he was only sacked, I think, eleven times during the year, nine, ten, eleven times, something like that. Uh that was an incredible team. The 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 unfortunate thing for me was that in ninety one I had gone off to college. I went to school out in California at UC Santa Barbara. Banana and so slugs. in night yeah, no, that's Santa Cruz. Uh, we were the Gauchos. Sorry, we are the Gauchos. That's sorry. okay. It's all right. It's all right. We're all part of the UC system. So think about this. In 1991, you can't – it's almost impossible to know what's going on with your team from across the country. Sure. You can't get any newspapers out there. The Internet has not been invented by Al Gore just yet. <laughs> you can get some stuff on ESPN. Um but it's kind of hard to really be involved in the day-to-day stuff of what's happening, what are they saying, what's going on. So that season, as much as I tried to keep up, and the other part of being in college is, well, you're in college, right? right. So yeah. other stuff to do. <laughs> there, there are other stuff going on. But I remember sitting down to watch uh, – well, actually, this is the 87 year, not even 91. But the 87 Super Bowl, I remember sitting down with my – you know, room full of roommates. We had an apartment that had six guys living in it, a three-bedroom apartment, six guys. You can imagine I'm sure it was how so much fun clean. that was. I bet, I bet you guys oh cleaned that God. bathroom every Filthy. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable pigsty. And they're all from, you know, California. Uh, I'm the only guy from the East Coast. And we're watching the game, and the, the Broncos go up 10 nothing, And these guys are just rubbing it in my face. Because, you know, that's what guys do, right? Sure, yeah. They're pumping their fist. They're getting two inches from my face. How do you like that? And then the second quarter comes. And then the deluge the in 87. Yeah. The water. And so, and so they start pouring it on. I'm now getting up in their faces. I'm pumping my fist. I'm yelling at them. And after they'd already scored a couple touchdowns and then uh, – uh, Timmy Smith had the big long run for a touchdown that was just opening the floodgates. As he's on his way into the end zone, JP, the TV goes off, oh, and I lose my mind. I'm like, "What the hell?" And I look over at my roommate Craig Henchman, and he or Hinchman, H-I-N-C-H, Hinchman, and I, and I see this smirk on his face, like, oh. "Ha ha ha." And I flipped out. Did you I'm, I'm surprised him? I didn't try to yeah, fight. Seriously, I, I don't. I'm surprised I didn't try to fight every one of my roommates. But at that point, I then re- I, at that point I retreated into my room and locked the door and watched the rest of the game on my own TV because they were being such babies. That's great. That's a great story, Zabe. That is so funny. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what that's what moron roommates do in college. Yeah, that's exactly you know? what guys do. Yeah, I had on my door in '87 in college as a sophomore. I had clippings from Sports Illustrated and pictures and other stuff. I mean, I, I was like a teenage girl, and it was on the outside of my door. <laughs> Those are your you know, pinups, headlines. Right. Redskins dominate. Yeah, in fact, I've, I've even got a picture of it. I'll have to post that yeah, picture. Yeah, tweet I'll it, take out. it out of the archives. Yeah, yeah, I'll tweet it. Out. 
<laughs> I'm a sophomore in college, and I'm like decorating my door like I'm uh, like a teenage girl that's a fan of some teeny bopper artist. But that's what being a fan is all about. There's also um, there's a there was a girlfriend of mine who was watching a game with me once, not a huge sports fan, and Chip Lowmiller missed a field goal that would have won the game. Yep, and she let out a little. She thought playful, ha ha. Oh, I'm not saying we broke up because of it, <laughs> but right. let's just say in my mind, I had already marked the relationship as not going anywhere. It was a done deal. It, at that point, it was a done deal. I was like, okay, mental note. She doesn't quite get it when it comes to sports and fandom. Sure. When, when I was in college, I once – there were a lot of factors in this, but one, one of the major factors was that this kid was an Eagles fan. I once took this kid's television out of his room and just put it in the showers. Now, I didn't turn the showers on or anything, but I just left his TV there for like three days until he finally figured out huh. where it was. Um, but a, wait lot, a, minute. You a, didn't, a lot of it you was didn't Eagles. Shower. He didn't shower for three days? No, there were like, why he there were like five was? showers. There were, there were a number oh. of showers to be found. Got it. Um, but a big part of that was just Redskins Eagles S talk back and forth. This this was in the dorms. What, this this was in a frat house, so there was oh. a, there was a lot of there was a lot of ballyhoo going on at that point in time. <laughs> where where did you go to school? I went to Maryland. I was a Sigma Chi at Maryland. Oh, uh, okay. I was there. <laughs> we got hidden thrown Eagle off. Fan TV. Yeah. Hidden Eagle fan TV in the showers. Yeah, that's classic. It was great. It was great. It was. Uh, I'm sure my parents are proud. <laughs> Zay, uh, you graduated, right? I did. Four years, man. Four years. I had to take 22 credits my last semester, though. And don't brag. That's not a record, you know. And what'd you do? Four and a half semester. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I, you know, you just, you know, what everybody down south says, they needed that one extra semester because they had to have football, one more football season. So I'm sure it was the same for you at the Gauchos. Well, one more. UCSB, UCSB did not have a football program when I arrived. They revived their program my sophomore year. It was Division Three, and I ended up doing a couple of games on their oh, radio cool. station. Oh, that's awesome. But, yeah, cool. I took, JP, I took a 13-hour bus ride oh. from Santa Barbara, California, which is just north of L.A., up to Humboldt, California, if you ever look at a map. Humboldt, California is almost in Oregon. You have to go all the way up past San Francisco, up past Sacramento, keep going past Napa, and just go deep into the pine trees. Yeah. 13-hour bus ride. I was on the on the bus with the team because that was, you know, the only way they could afford to send me on the trip. And the team was operating on such a tight budget that they got food donated from the dorms, like like a picnic rations, basically. <laughs> and we stopped, we stopped at a state park along the way to go eat the dorm food picnic rations wow. halfway up. I'm sure that's what Alabama does now when they're, you know, they're traveling to LSU. <laughs> I'm sure it's very similar. Right. Um, Actually, you know, there was a there was a college program. Uh, one of the Florida programs did take like a 13 hour bus ride to Arkansas 
for one of those payday games. Oh wow! And I believe someone, I believe someone said it might have been Billis or somebody like, "See, this is ridiculous." You know, these student athletes being forced to do that. And actually, the AD at the school piped back and said, "Look, we don't have Alabama's budget. We need to play this game for money, and we can't afford to fly. This is how the program survives." Now, shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Zabe, you know that Humboldt County is quite famous for some other stuff too, right? The wacky ganja weed. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. I, I have Probably driven some of the through Humboldt. in the world. You have? I, I, I This is actually a good Redskins fan story. I was in San Francisco for New Year's. You might have to help me with this date. It was the Joe Gibbs team. They won week 17. It was the year Sean Taylor was killed. Um so they won week 17 and then made the playoffs the following week against Seattle. We were in San Fran for New Year's, me and my friends Kyle Wyatt and Kevin Lanick, and we said, screw it, we're staying on the West Coast another week. We rented a car in San Fran, drove up to Seattle for that game. Wow. And uh, we got, you might know the roads, I guess it's the 10, I-10 that goes north. 10. So we were on I-10 yeah. going north to Seattle, some massive snowstorm at the top of california in the mountains so they diverted us and the only way to go was west to the coast we drove through shasta national forest drove through humboldt county and then drove up and around through oregon it was wild man that game was that game was very worth it the skins lost i think it was todd collins a quarterback but uh i mean yeah i'll remember as much of that trip as i as i can remember i'll remember my whole life that's a great trip yeah, uh that cool. that sounds like a ton of fun that that's some incredibly Beautiful, Beautiful country, country. Yeah, absolutely. Up there, and to do that. And yes, Todd Collins was the quarterback. That was the game in which uh, Carlos Rogers stone dropped a pick six, yep. hit him right in the hands. Yep. Uh, they recovered a muffed uh, punt that set him up in business. They had a lot of chances yeah. to win that game. They but sure they did. Didn't. And I remember Collins tried to throw the deep ball, and whether it was his arm or that Seattle wind, it just kind of fluffed and fell down. I think I remember he had yep. uh, probably Santana deep, and the ball just never got there, man. Um, yep. I was wearing a Portis jersey walking around telling every Seahawk <laughs> fan that he was going to the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> it's amazing what you know 10 Bud Lights will do for a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Zabe, this has been so much fun, man. Um, tell folks, I, I, it's at Zabe on Twitter, and your radio show is every day at 4 o'clock on 980. Anything else you want to tell everybody to tune in for? No, that's it. At Zabe on Twitter. You know where to find me on the radio, and I love sharing Redskin stories, and let's hope this season continues to be promising and exciting, let's which do- it has started out to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. Zabe, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. All right, JP. Keep doing good works on the front line. <laughs> I owe you a beer. <laughs>